Podcast talking all things Disney with your hosts L. John Go and Dave Bossert. Oh, yeah, welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. And if this is your first time hearing the show, welcome. Every week, we talk all things Disney and pop culture with never before heard stories, behind the scenes moments from some of your favorite Disney films, theme park attractions, performances, books, music, and so much more. I'm one of your co hosts. Longtime Disney, Marvel, Star Wars fan, pop culturist, and musician, Al John Go. You can contact me, Al John, A L J O N, at skullrockpodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bosser, and I'm an artist, filmmaker, author, and welcome to the Skull Rock Podcast. If you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show wherever you get podcasts and Saucers Radio. You can also find us on Spotify and uh, iHeartRadio. So we're all over the place now. Uh, like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can also email me at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com. All right. Wow. Well, John, <laughs> how are you? I'm good. Another week. We are in the midst of the fall season, the very beginning of it. I've got yeah. uh, I've got Marvel What If on Disney+. Plus. I've got uh, the new Star Wars Visions, you know, that I'm going to be digesting over the course of the weekend with the wifey. So uh, we've got a Disney Plus filled weekend coming. <laughs> Fantastic. I, I, I've actually been watching a, a, a number of uh, shows. Um, I, I've been watching a, a British de- detective or a British crime series called Waking the Dead. Uh, and also... Uh, the new Steve Martin and Martin Short yeah. and um, uh, what's her name? Gomez. Selena Gomez, right? Yeah, Selena Gomez. Yeah. Uh, I've been watching that show and that is absolutely fantastic. It's really enjoyable. I was kind of on the fence about, mm, I'm not sure if it's going to be kind of goofy, corny comedy. No, it is a great great uh murder mystery i think that that looks so much fun first of all big fan of martin short and steve martin anyway and selena um i think they're all going to be great in the film the trailers look great i think that's on hulu right is it a hulu series it's on hulu and also there's a fabulous uh cameo by sting it's hilarious is that right and he's playing himself oh that's great absolutely it's hysterical you gotta see it that's great I, i can't wait we will be checking that is on our um our to watch list, our, our watch list. And the other thing uh, we're doing is just, you know, we're going through um, all of our Halloween. We're, we're starting to do our Halloween movie planning. Cause we do mm-hmm. a Halloween marathon of, of films every night for 31 days. So awesome. um, we're doing that as well. Well, gang, we've got so much uh, to talk about, but Dave, you've got a very special guest in tow for today. I do. We've got Bob Kurtz. Now, Bob is a veteran of the animation industry and actually worked at Disney many moons ago, knew Walt Disney. When I say knew Walt Disney, I mean, Walt was his boss. And so he's got some terrific stories uh, about interacting with Walt Disney, uh, as well as uh, leaving Disney and going out into the commercial world and, and eventually starting his own uh, Kurtz and Friends commercial studio. So we're going to we're going to have some great conversation and great stories. I mean, Bob has fantastic stories uh, and, and from he, uh, the last like five decades. And he's, I mean, gosh, he's so prolific, you know, I mean, he's got so much stuff under his belt. 
Um, yeah. And I can't wait to hear some of these stories. Um, and maybe you'll touch on some of the things he did outside of Disney too, because he did so much. So absolutely. We're going to absolutely do that. And, and one other thing I wanted to mention, Al John, mm-hmm. I went and saw the 80th anniversary of Citizen Kane. Uh, oh yeah 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 uh, and i gotta tell you you know uh turn a movie classics tcm Mm -hmm. or turn a classic movies is a tcm yeah yeah turn a classic movie something like that. yeah turn a classic movies uh tcm is doing uh these anniversary screenings in theaters around the country and it's i think it's through fathom events yeah and uh it's absolutely fantastic i mean i've never seen citizen kane on a big screen in a movie theater. And it was nearly a private screening, by the way. There was only like 10 other people in the theater, which is kind of a shame because these are classic movies that... You know, they, they they it brings a whole new facet to the film when you see it on a big screen, which is how it was originally made. I mean, it was made for the big screen, so yeah, uh, that was that was absolutely fantastic. And I'm going to be going to the to the movies again uh, this weekend. Uh, I'm probably going to see uh, Shang Chi, yeah, uh, because I uh, missed that while I was up in Maine. So I'm catching up on my movie going. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, the wife and I, we're going to we're going to try going out to uh, the theater, uh, the drive in theater to catch a double feature with the kids. They'll probably be they'll probably be sleeping. So I don't know if they're going to charge us. <laughs> so we'll have to see. Here's a here's Honestly, a car full. I, I hope you don't go see Halloween kills with them. Uh, no, we're not going to do that. But we will see Halloween kills for sure. I think that's oh, yeah. on Peacock. I'm looking and, forward to it. And it's going to be really be, good. Jamie Lee, Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, that's you can't it. go wrong with this. The original Scream Queen, Jamie Lee Curtis. She is uh, she is absolutely a national treasure. Must be protected at all costs. So we're gonna we're gonna talk more about these films. We've got some pop culture news. We're gonna talk about right now. Skull Rock Podcast. This week in Disney and pop culture. Well, never a dull moment. Never a dull moment, Dave, in uh, oh. pop culture and Disney news. You know, uh, Bob Chapek has been making the rounds. Uh, you know, he had the uh, investor call that happened recently. Disney is known or has been said to uh, have their stock sink 5% as Chapek warns about the Disney Plus subscription growth and says the variant that I, I did not, I do not dare say, uh, is creating production delays. And yes, it continues to happen. We know this is going to happen and it doesn't come to a surprise, right? I mean, you know, you know this is, this is like, a, 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 as my mother would say, a big nothing, you know, <laughs> because uh, yeah, you know, he says, yeah, we're going to have a softer subscriber growth, big deal. You know, they're so far ahead of what their original projections were, uh, but it's comical to see the stock drop 5%. And I, I look at that as a buying opportunity mm-hmm. because you know what? It dropped 5%. And then over the course of the next couple of days, it climbed back up. So anybody who jumped in and purchased a little bit of stock uh, on that downbeat uh, would have picked up uh, a, a few extra bucks. Exactly. You know? so, That's why you need so to follow I, that. Yeah. You need to follow the stock market on that. Anytime mm-hmm. I see those things trending and I have it on my news feed, it's like I follow Disney stock uh, every day. So uh, it's important to check that out. And when it's time to buy, go ahead and buy 
because think about it. You've got all these new movies coming up that are on horizon, a lot of Disney plus content that we're going to be talking about. So get in when the getting's good. That's it. And, uh, you know, like I said, uh, when you look at the Walt Disney company, it's, it's the gold standard. It's a, it's really a triple a company as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, you know, the, the, this was kind of a laughable story. It it is, Um, but you know, it must've been a slow news day when business insider posted. (laughs) It's like, "Ah, it's slow. Well, speaking of things, kind of on the horizon. Um, Disney's going to be dropping a preview of what's next in the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, or shall we now say the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. Uh, They announced on Tuesday that it'll host Disney Plus Day on November 12th, giving an exclusive sneak peek of what's to come for the streaming services. And in fact, a lot of that is going to be based around it's Marvel and Star Wars franchises uh, to note. So they have a lot of things going on. Of course, Dave, you're going to go see Shang-Chi um, this weekend, Absolutely. which is yeah. going to be great. And of course, they're going to probably have uh, more teasers for the Eternals Marvel movie that's coming out. But there has been recently some new trailers dropped for the Hawkeye Disney Plus series, Spider-Man 3 No Way Home, which looks amazing. Um Miss Marvel uh, coming out on Disney Plus, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Thor Love and Thunder, Black Panther 2, their untitled Marvel film, October 7th of 2022. Could that be Fantastic Four? I don't know. Um, Captain Marvel 2, which is going to be called The Marvels now. Moon Knight, She-Hulk, Secret Invasion, all on Disney Plus. And remember, they did this last year to a wide degree of success, Dave. And I think it's just going to be kind of their... um, New York Comic Con, you know, fall thing since New York Comic Con is kind of, you know, uh, they're doing this uh, laid back kind of Comic Con virtual, a lot of virtual panels. I think this is going to be taking that place. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, there's a lot of great material coming up in the future uh, on Disney Plus. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, look, uh, it, it, you got to schedule this stuff. There's so much of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's for crying out loud. Yeah, and people right. are clamoring for it, right? They're clamoring for it. So yeah, I, I think they are. You know, I I do I do think that you know they seem to have a huge emphasis on Marvel, and I hope they uh, put a bit of an emphasis back onto the Disney brand and some of the Disney material. I think that's going to be the case. Uh, you sent me the story, Dave, about Gary Marsh stepping down as head of Disney branded TV, and why it's a big deal. This comes from Bazinga. Um, Gary Marsh, who's 33-year tenure at Walt Disney Company, has defined a whole lot of what Disney TV has uh, made its name for. You know, High School Musical, Lizzie McGuire, Descendants, The Proud Family, That's So Raven, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse, Sophia the First. Wow, the list goes on and on. Uh, just launching the careers of Selena Gomez, as we mentioned earlier, Vanessa Hudgens, Jonas Brothers, uh, and so many others. Zenaida as well, you know, uh, from Spider-Man. So uh, what does this mean, Dave? Because he's moving into another production role instead of the role that he's currently in. Is it kind of a lateral move for him? No, I I actually think this is a good move probably for him from a creative standpoint because, you know, he's he's going to be running his own production company and uh, he's doing it with the backing of the Walt Disney Company. So he's going to continue to create some great shows uh, for the company. Uh, I think I think this is this is probably very freeing for him uh, from a creative standpoint and just personally, you know, it's it's the next step for him. So that's what. 
I was kind of unsure of. It sounded like he was breaking off into his own thing, but still working with Disney. So I didn't know if it was, you know, a lateral move or a change in title. But yeah, now that he's doing his own production company, he has some freedom. He can take on the projects he wants specifically and focus on that. And what a great exit strategy for being at Disney for 33 years. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, uh, good luck to him. Uh, He did some amazing stuff at the Walt Disney Company, and I suspect he's going to continue to do some great stuff and amazing stuff into the future. I think uh, he he's definitely been at the helm of the Disney Channel's greatest hits, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. speaking, Speaking of the hits, they just keep coming. Little Mermaid live action remake to feature four new songs from Alan Menken and Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, from the Hamilton, um, musical so that is pretty amazing um i didn't know we'd be getting any new music from uh, this kind of new pairing i mean i know they worked on some other disney films uh, together uh, like moana and different things like that so um kind of cool huh yeah i think this is going to be interesting you know again i i kind of scratch my head sometimes with uh some of these live action remakes uh, and so I'm going to be real interested to see how this goes. I mean, you, you have to remember they took little mermaid to Broadway and it didn't last that long on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, again, you know, uh, I'll wait until it comes out, uh, yeah. and see what it's, uh, see, see how it is. You know, I, I like Cruella, like you, uh, Cruella, Cruella yeah, was amazing. Was fantastic. You know, I thought yeah. Mulan was very well done. Aladdin, Lion King, you know, of course, Beauty and the Beast, you know, we talked a little bit about that with Don Hahn, you know, just touched on it briefly. Yeah. But uh, this is going to be pretty cool. So um, just so you know, this movie star-studded cast includes Javier Bardem of uh, No Country for Old Men, classic movie there. King Triton uh, is uh, David Diggs from Hamilton and Sebastian uh, is played by Jacob Tremblay from Luca, which is great. So there's a lot of great um, actors and actresses involved in this as well. So we'll see. Little Mermaid will be swimming into theaters May 26th of 2023. <laughs> now, uh, I, I'm i a big fan of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory growing up. I thought Gene Wilder, there, there was nobody like him. And as much as I love Johnny Depp, you know, I would still say Gene Wilder is still the the bar, you know, oh, uh, Violet and all those characters. Without question. Without yeah. question. I mean, the original is the original. Absolutely. Well, it, it looks like Netflix is doing a massive Ronald Dahl deal. And, you know, growing up, I, I read so many of his books, you know, and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is one of them. And they're mm-hmm. doing a huge reported $1 billion deal to acquire Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, the BFG, Marvelous Medicine, Enormous Crocodile, and so many of those books, including Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Um, that's a whole lot of stuff. I mean, do we really need another cinematic universe? I mean, is that, is that the new tentpole franchise? Like, we need to build a cinematic universe and roll all these. We're going to develop the, the Wall Doll universe, and we're going to develop the the um, the uh, the the, the Shelley Frankenstein verse, and we're going to develop all this other stuff. I mean, what's going yeah. on here? I honestly, I have to tell you, I was a bit surprised by this story because I would have thought this was something Disney would have done. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, Disney had a uh, history with uh, Ron Dahl. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, going back to the 1940s, you know, with his gremlins. 
mm-hmm. uh, story and the fact that Walt was developing, uh, you know, a Gremlins project, you know, a feature, and then it was a short, and then nothing came of it. But they did do some some things for the war effort with the Gremlins. So I felt like this would have been uh, a natural fit for the Walt Disney Company. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Honestly, it's uh, uh, it's kind of a shame because uh, because there was such such history with Disney. But, you know, it is what it is. And it's going to be interesting to see what the next iteration of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is. It's, you know, yeah. it seems like they're going to do a, sort of a series or something uh, on that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's right for that. You know, there were so many books sure. about it, you know, as well. And, yeah. you know, so Absolutely. we'll have to see what happens. That's a lot of money to spend. So Netflix, we're counting on you. Don't let us down. <laughs> there you go. All right. So in our regrets, uh, we have to say goodbye to another legendary actor, Melvin Van Peebles. The godfather of black cinema passes away at the age of 89. He directed Watermelon Man and did everything on Sweet uh uh, sweet Sweetback's badass song and wrote a pair of Broadway musicals. Um, he was just, very proli- prolific, I have to say, and yes. he's the father of uh, Mario Von Peebles. Absolutely, just uh, and know, he played Mario great, played him. Another great talent. Yeah, and Mario ended up playing him uh, yes, as well. Yeah, yeah. In, in, a, in a film. So, you know, once again, I think it's important to if you're a fan of of cinema. And, and the history of blacks in cinema, I think it's just important to check out, um, you know, his work uh, and not just a fan of black cinema, just in cinema in general. Um, Mario Van Peebles was quoted as saying, dad knew that black images matter. If a picture is worth a thousand words, what was a movie worth? We want to be the success we see. Thus, we need ourselves to be being free. True liberation did not mean imitating the colonizer's mentality. It meant appreciating the power, beauty, and interconnectivity of all people. That's a very good quote there from Mario Van Peebles, also very talented in his own yeah. right. So uh, he will be missed for sure. Without any further ado, here's part one of a two-part interview with award-winning animator, artist, director, producer, and designer, Bob Kurtz. Skull Rock Podcast. Interview time. Well, Al John, as promised, we've got another fantastic guest this week, Bob Kurtz. He's an animator, producer, director, designer, artist. He is really another renaissance man, if you ask me. And uh, and somebody I've known for many, many years. Uh, I've actually done work with him over the years. I want to welcome my friend Bob Kurtz to the Skull Rock podcast. Bob, how are you? Hey, I'm fine. And thank you for the invite. Well, it's it's really great to have you on the show. And I got to tell you, you know, when I start to look at your career, I, I started laughing because you got a Lifetime Achievement Award in 1991. That was 30 years ago. And I'm thinking to myself, wait a second. This guy's done an, an amazing amount of work in, in the 30 years since getting a Lifetime Achievement Award. I mean, I it's, so. it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but, Bob, I want to I want to sort of step back in time and and talk. Uh, I want to ask you first about what made you decide to go to Chouinard Art Institute? Uh, okay, uh, first, I, I should tell you that going back, um, I never had an art class uh, in grammar school, you know, high school, whatever. 
I drew all my life for fun. Uh, at two years old, my mother tells me I started drawing. They started getting me these big five tablets and I would fill them up. I guess they cost five cents is why they were called big five. And uh, she used to complain because I, I can remember at four years old, she says, what are you doing? You know, but I drew endlessly and I drew for fun and for myself. And when uh, I was going to graduate high school because uh, before I kept thinking, oh, I, you know, I'm going to, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be this. I want to be that. Then I realized, uh, hey, I want to be, uh, to get this, a cartoonist. I want to make funny drawing. I didn't know what kind, but that's what I wanted. I want to go. I said, I need to go to art school. So uh, what I did, because I, I, I lived about a mile from El Camino, J.C., uh, and I went to El Camino Junior College and I had three instructors. By the way, when I went there, I thought, well, I'll go to junior college. They know something about art. Of course, <laughs> they didn't. Uh, two of them told me I would never be an artist. Give it up. That's how. And I, I was bad because I couldn't do uh, the way they taught. It was like a wall. Uh, but, you know, and the third didn't say anything. So I had... You know, my first going to school, and it's a terrible thing because, you know, uh, having taught, you never tell anybody. You'll never make it. You know, you yeah. might say to somebody, uh, why don't you take a break? <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you don't. So I know. So uh, I got married early, had a child, and I thought I was going to die unless I got, you know, would become a so-called, you know, artist or you know and I wanted to go I wanted to draw fun and so I checked out the schools went to art center oh super slick I thought I'm never going to be able to do this uh I went to Otis Art Institute you know and you know checked in strange place at that time had a little small room I guess the registrar was there a little small room I went in I'm staying there and it's it's like an end door or something and the curtains pulled back and it's like the Rocky Horror Picture Show this guy all bent over comes out and he says, you want to go to school? And I'm going, no, this isn't going to work. I saw <laughs> the brochures from Shinar, And they're the only major uh, art school that had animation, that had cartoon. Because animation at the time wasn't taught. Right. And you looked and they had this great draw. I mean, it was, I didn't see lick. I saw good. I just went, I, 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 I got it. This is where I want to go. Mm. So, and I was full of self doubt. Were you? So were, were, appointment. Let me ask you though: Were, were you aware uh, uh, with Chenard at that time that they had an affiliation that they were, you know, uh, close with the Disney Studios? Because no, Walt, no. Walt was was getting some of the instructors to come to the studio and no, I didn't. I, I didn't. And, uh, no, um, Dave, I, I I I didn't know the history. Again, you know, uh, uh, when I started, I was twenty years old. And uh, I did not know much about art. The one person that I found that I love and started patting myself after was Frank Lloyd Wright. I found out about him in uh, junior college, but I didn't know. I knew nothing about art. Mm. Uh, I didn't go to museums. I didn't know. So I was pretty raw uh, along with my drawings. And my drawings were pitiful. You know, just to tell those out there. I mean, uh, I I went, I made an appointment, and I brought my portfolio, and it has the typical, uh, you know, life drawing done by someone who doesn't know how to draw life. 
Uh, they had no hand. You know, they have just smudges for feet, hands, and face. Yeah. Because, you know, that's hard to draw. And so, you know, and it, I mean, it was pretty pitiful. And I went there and uh, I made an appointment and I walked out into, you know, the school was, uh, hadn't opened yet. It was just started. And I, they had a gallery in the front school and I looked at the gallery. Student work was done and such strong drawing. And it's, it's funny because at that time there was one, there was a, a series of drawings of that almost look like Kathy Colwitz or Daumier. And they were of survivors of, I think it was a Bel Air. And it was just amazing drawing. And I, so I walked over and I looked and it had a sink and it was, uh, it said Corny Cole the third. I'm going to have to remember. That. And I didn't meet Corny until about five years later, mm -hmm. but I, even before I got interviewed, I, I, I saw the genius of corny you know as a student mm. and um so i walked in the courtyard there was mrs chenard and i thought oh my god you know she, mrs chenard's gonna look at my portfolio and she accepted me uh and it was like it <laughs> it was such a great day you know mm. uh, after that i started learning about the relationships, you know, because I had some great teachers. And of course, Don Graham <clears throat> had such an association with Disney yeah. and one of the great teachers. I mean, Chenard had incredible teachers and it was, uh, it was at its peak when I went there. I mean, it's, I'm sure it was at its peak before, but it really was, I mean, it had really good students you have to say good students because students who wanted to learn mm -hmm. there were people coming back from the Korean War, vets who were no nonsense. <laughs> they they yeah. want, you know, they're not going to play around. You know, it was when I you know, later when I taught, often there wasn't the drive of some of the students. They're a little bit, some have drive, but, you know, like when CalArts started, those students had drive. Yeah. And when I was going to school. The competition was tough. The students really worked hard. Yeah. You know, let, let me ask you, I want to I want to step back for a second before we start talking about Don Graham and some of the instructors. What was Mrs. Chenard like? Oh, she was wonderful. She was sweet. I mean, I found her sweet. <clears throat> and uh, pardon me, I have, to have a drink of water. It's morning. <laughs> <clears throat> Good thing. <clears throat> pardon me. <clears throat> Good thing you're not asking me to sing. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> i'll scratch she, that off my list <laughs> yeah she she was she was wonderful she was encouraging and what was funny is you know because i went there four years mm -hmm. i needed four years because there were some that only go two three i mean there's something you know that go through the school fast which is and, like cal arts today i mean that, that happens with cal arts and has uh, happened yeah. with cal arts yes, over the yeah. years well you get some, somebody in the animation program for two years or three years and then they're out of there and uh, and working at a studio yeah well it, it's expensive so if you mm -hmm. if, if you feel it and if you get a job Mm -hmm. You get a job offer. Um, but one of the things, uh, Mrs. Chenard got sick, I think, uh, either the end of the first year, second year. She came back and she did not like what she saw. Really? <laughs> she saw students kind of sloppy, putting their feet on the wall. So she had she she had an assembly meeting, you know, and, in, in, you know, uh, all around the courtyard. 
and she gave the students hell. I loved it. She, you know, she, you know I, to me, she looked really old and she was so full of fire. And I remember uh, a student standing next to me who had never, I don't think he ever knew her. And he says, what's that old thing saying? You know, like, what do I have to listen to her for? <laughs> she gave, I mean, and I loved it. She was so full of fire. Uh, she was an advocate for drawing. She just, you know, and she had this other thing, which is kind of remarkable. I know maybe just get ahead, but uh, she put Bill Moore in design. And the design was a design that related to all the other disciplines, mm-hmm. the fine arts, the advertising, the fashion, which they taught, uh, obviously, to animation, everything. It wasn't like, oh, it's an advertising design class. No, it was a very general class, but very deep class. And she made that the center and Don Graham. So the two, you know, the two main uh, leaders of the education uh, were those two men. And that's that's pretty remarkable because they they were. Amazing. Yeah. What was Don Graham like? Well, Don was really relaxed. He just, you know, it, it, he would wear the smock, you know, the faded blue smock. And he his classes. He, he spoke uh, slow. Uh, he walked slow. Uh, And after all, it's drawing he's teaching, Mm -hmm. you know, and it takes a long time to master drawing. So he's not in a rush, (laughs) you know, and uh, he he was just he was so inviting and caring and his teachings were so damn deep. I mean, every every you know, I had him two days a week for four years and oh, no, not for well, not for four years, three and what he, I, I, want, I want to say is he has a book called uh, uh, Composition Pictures, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. And anybody who has ever looked at that book, you you go, what? It's so deep. I still go to that book now mm-hmm. and I'll just pick it up and go, okay. And I'm reading it. I go, oh, now I get it. I mean, uh, the depth of his teaching. I mean, uh, there was... You know, his night classes were full of pros, professional. Chuck right. Jones took him for like 17 years. At, you know, wow. took him for like 15 years at night. Those guys couldn't get enough of him. And it's not that they need to just see a model. It's, it, it's his wisdom was so deep. Yeah. Wow. That, that's that's really pretty amazing um, because he's legendary. I mean, he was he was over at the Disney Studios. Uh, he was teaching. Uh, I mean, he really had an impact on a lot of artists. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, when you say, wow, yeah, he, when, you know, someone wants to talk about legendary, uh, he, he's there. Uh, it's just, uh, he had kind of a rosy complexion, uh, balding when, you know, when I had him and, uh, he just was, boy, if someone was comfortable with themselves, mm-hmm. he was so comfortable, uh, and then, so why, uh, you know, at the end of the year, we, uh, uh, um, any, uh, any, all these, whatever student would be leaving, we always took our portfolio, you know, to him to have him check it out. Yeah, Not yeah. Not realizing that that's what he did for Disney, <laughs> that in the 30s and 40s, right. you know, he reviewed over what thirty five thousand portfolios, yeah, along cr- with you crazy. Know, the, the teachings that he did at Disney. But uh, and you know he was he was just 
I don't know. It just sounds like we just piling on like, uh, you know, he's not real. He was real. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you did your four years at Chenard when you got out of Chenard, did you go to work at Disney right away or did you step into, uh, another studio first? Uh, I was real lucky. Uh, I just want to say, you know, I, I tell you, you know, and we can go back what I had, you know, the, the major influences, I say flu influences, but you know, again, were Bill Moore, Don Graham. I uh, studied under Mark Davis and I studied under T. He. Right. Uh, and uh, T was like, I, I, I mean, I, I, I studied so hard to be able to take his class. They, they taught third and fourth year, Mark T. And you had to have drawing and design before you could take them. You, right. know, you, you could not come in without that kind of training. And uh, T asked me before I graduated, would I come and work with him? I had two invites from Disney. Uh, one was to work on uh, pictures at a museum. And of course, T, who was like a you know this amazing giant uh and of course when t asked me i went wow wow my life is made you know oh my god you know uh because being in his class and seeing how brilliant and you know was can you imagine he just walks up to you and he says bob would you like to come to work with me at disney could you imagine when, you know <laughs> as a student who was told give it up is now being asked to come to disney isn't I mean, that so, isn't that amazing? Uh, and, and by the by the way, the my head didn't split. Yeah. By the way, I, I I do want to mention that I was lucky enough to have Tehe as an instructor at Cal. Oh, Arts. good. Uh, and, and which is really amazing to you know because you you had him in the late fifties, right? Yes. Uh, and uh, and here I am in uh the early eighties, uh, and I had him as an instructor. So he really gave back to the community uh, in, in teaching. Oh yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, we, again, the classes were, I mean, the classes were full. They were great. Uh, and he brought in all these different kinds of exercises, you know, there would, there would be, you know, there would be torn black paper. There were all kinds of different things that, uh, he didn't want you to settle into any one way. He wanted to get new paths to creativity, you know, and imagination. Uh, I remember one exercise was really, I don't, I don't know if he did it with you, Dave, but uh, he had us all stand up in a line. We got out of our chairs. We stood up in line, you know, even to get a student out of a chair is kind of, you know, a major <laughs> thing. Uh, and uh, he'd come behind us. We couldn't look. And he had a paper bag and he took things out of the paper bag and he put them in the, you know, we weren't facing, we had our hands behind us and he put them in the palms of our hand, different object mm -hmm. uh mine turned out to be a spark plug huh. and he said feel it touch it do all you know and then go after you think you know what it is go to your, you know go to your desk and draw it huh. without and, looking and without easy. looking at it right without looking yeah, without at looking at it it, yeah, it had yeah. to be by feel <laughs> uh i mean he was constantly shifting keeping you off balance mm -hmm. which when i did teach i tried to teach you know, obviously he was such a major influence is to keep the assignments varied. Not so much, you know, today we're going to draw a building today. We're doing not that it's just uh, keep opening them up, you know, keep challenging because you, it, it, in a lot of classes, you kind of know where they're going, Yeah. Uh, but you didn't know until at that time, you know, he was great. Sometimes he'd say, okay, we're all going to the show. <laughs> and 
we went and saw Jacques Tahi, uh-huh. and we we all went and filled the rows. And it, it, you you like this, Dave, because you know me. He sat behind me, uh, and afterwards he said he told me, "I like to sit behind you because I like the way you laugh." <laughs> but you know, I have a very and, and, you, and, and you you are a a, a a very funny person, and you do laugh a lot. You're a happy person. That's oh, that, that's you. the one thing I love about you, Bob. Well, you know, it's like uh, it comes from my mo- my mother laughs loud, I laugh loud, and yeah, uh, it, it's funny. I once oh, it was Tom Cito wanted me to do a voice i forgot was supposed to be caligua uh he was doing this film and he says uh-huh. you're <laughs> he says i always see you as caligua so he uh-huh. says now laugh i could not laugh <laughs> you know when you know he says okay yeah here okay here we go laugh and i nothing you know uh-huh. i could not he says think of something funny uh you know because it, it was it was phony Right, right. And and your laughter is always genuine. It really yeah, is. I, I, it, it, it's just genuine. You know, I, I you bring up an interesting point. I have to tell you about laughter. Laughter for me and my sense of laughter is really helped in that uh, animation is so elusive. Uh, you do a storyboard uh, and whether you do it with somebody else or you do it yourself. And, and, and since I work in comedy and you do the board and you're laughing. You're going like this. You present it and you laugh, and then you do the layouts, and uh, and then you know, the you know, animators come in, and we have pencil tests. You do the pencil test. I'm not laughing. I don't know. So I got to go work at it. And of course, I'm notorious on pencil tests. It's uh, it's a philosophy. It's not that it doesn't work. Can it be better? You know. Uh, uh, and I do a lot of changes in pencil tests. Because I'm searching for particularly comedic and I relate to if I'm not laughing, I don't see why anybody else should laugh, mm. uh, you know, laughing at your own, you know, your own work. And Dave Spafford, who does, you know, who does a, a lot of animation for me. Uh, uh, he, he's he's fun because he would come down the hall saying, let me see the pencil test before Bob changes <laughs> and all my all my animators, Eric Goldberg, all of them, they all know. It's uh, it's it has nothing to do with their skill. And by the way, uh, when I when I asked for changes, the changes were always paid because yeah. it isn't like you didn't do it right, you know. Yeah. And it's like uh, we're on a search, so we would get it was I would start laughing, and then uh, we do the ink and paint, and you know you go to the video and you you go to the finish, and paint changes the time, and so I build I I I, uh, I usually have control of my track, and they're a lot, they're 20, 30 tracks, mm-hmm. and I have uh, I have I think you know pretty good sense of timing because I'll when we go in there I'll say well move that sound three frames, move this six frames, right, this, right. You know. Uh, and we're doing it and uh, we're working and the film's not funny. And then suddenly, you know, I'm, and we're moving and raise that and move that. And suddenly I laugh. And cause I always work with the same really top engineers they just turn around whenever I laugh, they give me a nod and we know what to go ahead. Yeah. And that was and it. Yeah. It's completely, you know, what you brought up, it's completely natural. So when I'm doing a pink Panther or whatever, you know, that, that was doing, I found it fascinating that I would laugh and, also, it's bizarre. I will laugh at a film idea. Maybe I won't see it for five years. Mm-hmm. And if I've done it right, I will laugh. When you see it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't. It's 
uh, it's it's not even acquired. It's just basically something you're born. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you can't say, "Well, I'll train myself to laugh when it's funny." Uh, I well, it's it's that... it's kind of like clients saying to you, uh, "I'll I'll know it when I see it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, which yeah. is a, a, always yeah. the uh, yeah. the the running joke when you're dealing with people. <laughs> they can't articulate what it is they want, but they'll know it when they see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, when you go into what clients will say, it's pretty. It, it's pretty fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I once had, when I was working at film fair, I, I did uh Joe Flynn from McHale's Navy. I had a, you know, did a, and I used to love working and he did a voice and I had a tire a talking tire. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I think it was for Goodyear and it was having trouble, you know, and it was complaining and I had designed the tire, you know, yeah. And the, yeah. the edge of it had a, you know, a, a face and, and the client said to, you know, when he saw it, he says, talking tires don't have teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and my response, cause I was like, I said, they don't have a nose, eyes and mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> But before before you got into commercials, though, I, I want to try and track this. You you left Chenard. Uh, Tihi asked you to work with him, uh, so you went to work with Tihi at Disney, right? And what was that like? And what was your first day like? You know, did you uh, you oh, just you showed up as a newbie? It's quite remarkable. Uh, and I have to think, okay, fresh out of school, never worked professionally. I've given a huge room on the third floor with Walt. Walt's at one end of the, you know, uh, of the cord, you know, the quarter. I, I, in my wing is Bill Pete, Joe Rinaldi, Dale Hennessy, and the coffee for the floor. <laughs> so everybody goes by. But the room was, it's the largest room. I mean, I think Bill Pete and I had the same big, and I had, you know, the the layout desk, the infamous great, you know, uh, Cam uh, Cam Weber, yeah, the oh, Cam Weber God. layout desk, a huge oh, desk. The layout desk is, you know, it's like it's a fortress. It's one of the greatest desks. I mm-hmm. had a Weber chair. I had like a space for six drawer, you know, boards. I had a, a space for a table. Uh, I could, I, I had so many art supplies and I could call down to art prop. And if I needed something, they come running up, you know, Carl Bell was working in art props. John Kimball was working in art props. Uh, but was, you know, I would, just I had no, that. I had no idea. Carl Bell was working in art. Props. Oh yeah. Before he yeah, got Carl before Bell. he got his animation gig. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Before he, he got he, into the animation department. Yeah. He he would tell me about this friend of his, Canadian friend of his, that I should know who's doing a film called Little Island, Richard Williams. <laughs> you know, uh, but I was like, who starts like mm-hmm. who starts with every I mean, you know, the room is big, it's filled with stuff, every kind of art supply, and I could order anything when I wanted. And my roommates were these giants, you know, and it was, and Walt would visit me. He didn't visit me on the first day, but the first day I'm going like, so, I mean, it was, I don't know if anybody's ever started out on their first day. Like now, when you, when you started there, what what was your role? What was your position? What they hire you in as? Well, it's pretty funny. (laughs) 
you know, you had to be union, you know, right. so. You, you well, know, so there was I, always that there was always that catch 22, right? There was like in order to work at the studio, you had to be in the union. But to get the job, uh, uh, yeah, you, you know, to get a job, you had you had to already be in the union. You know, I mean, yeah. it was just like this craziness. Oh, yeah. Well, this one wasn't that because, again, it's Disney. Right. So and if they, um, and if they wanted you, they just said, "Hey, you, we want to hire this guy, and he's going to join the union." And they'd be like, "Okay." I I think the union didn't get me until like six months in or something. But mm -hmm. what was funny is I was brought in to uh, it was going to be a, a paper sculpture film, white on white paper sculpture. Uh, I was to do. Uh, he had me do the storyboard. Mm -hmm. He was not doing the storyboard. I was working with Otto Englander who was a writer. He was one of the conservative writers and uh, they were the writers on it. And in other words, writing the dialogue. I didn't write a dialogue. I, I was storyboard. I was designing the film, mm -hmm. complete design of the film. And T wanted me to direct it. So I was, now I'm, not, I'm, I'm just out of school. Wow. Uh, and he's with me all, you know, all the time. Right. Uh, he didn't have an office. He would just come in and sit down with me. Mm. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember. I don't know where he was, but he was there. He was, you know, it was a full time job. But uh, and it's a funny thing. I'm trying to remember now. I don't know. I don't remember him having, you know, we I say we share it, but he wasn't in it all the time. Mm. <clears throat> but I was an, I was an apprentice director that was officially in. They actually had an apprentice, apprentice, you know, apprentice two years of apprenticeship. Okay. All right. And, and as a director, now can you imagine? That was just a crazy idea. That's how I started out. Okay. <laughs> and, and so you started boarding on that film, and uh, like, what was the next step? You you were there for how long before Walt came look, in to look at your boards, or oh, was he was he wandering around in the middle of the night? Oh, all all of the above. Um, <laughs> uh, T told me uh, um, at night, and particularly on the weekends move the uh hide some of the sketches move them around because walt wanders the hall and uh he will look at what's going on in in his studio <clears throat> anyway so uh t would say don't you know you want to hide it because if he has seen it and he knows what the storyboard is he gets restless he gets bored and because he'll he'll start reading ahead or whatever you, you know like when you make the presentation and it can be disastrous uh -huh. so my you know i remembered every day i was moving stuff around and having to remember where i moved it <laughs> and at least you put it together again in the morning but I, I saw him often. I saw him in the hallway. He was always wearing a suit, always looked like he just walked off the set. And uh, he, at the time, particularly when, once we got into production, I had paper sculpture uh, on the wall, on gold leaf and all. Yeah, I had all kinds of presentations in my mm -hmm. room. And at the time, the film was like the more... It was like what we're doing in the future. This is like, look what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So he brought in different people to, you know, visitors and whatever. And uh, he would just come walking in uh, mm -hmm. with, a, you know, with groups and, and that. And one time he walked in with, swear was like the oldest man I ever saw. <laughs> if you could be 200 years old, this was the guy, you know, so and. 
he introduces, you know, he introduces it and he's, he's real proud. He's explaining, this is what we're doing. Cause he used to do, I mean, it's, it's strange. He was given this huge pitch for our film. Yeah. He always talk, this is, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. You know, and, and Walt was a wonderful salesman. So it was great listening to him sell your film, you know? Yeah. And, and so he left with this really ancient person. Methuselah and uh, T says, "You know who that is?" And I said, "Yeah, that's that's Mr. Hall." And he says, "Of Hallmark, that was the founder wow. of Hallmark." Wow, Hallmark uh, cards. And Hallmark, you know, because you just think Hallmark's just a name, not yeah, yeah. You know that I guess you know there's a whole history of somebody. You know, I'm particularly doing stationery or cards or what. Yeah. But uh, I saw him a lot. I was in presentations with. Uh, Again, um, they I mean, were I, the, I, I, they I were a big licensee of the Disney characters and whatnot, right? I I don't know. I know that I think they came. I think it's Missouri, so they both you know they they're both yeah. from. I mean, it's like you know Midwestern uh, sensibility. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, and you know, it was my stay there was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, what was what uh, was what, what what was Walt like? Uh, just your impressions. I mean, you interacted with him a, a bunch of times. Um, what, what, what would you say he was like? He was sort of, and I always felt maybe that was influenced by his TV show, but it felt like him, you know, it felt like Uncle Walt, mm-hmm. you know. I knew it wasn't because there was such fear in the room <laughs> when he came, you know. I mean, he was not Uncle Walt, you know. Yeah. Is that is that because it was there, there was an unpredictability of, of his reaction to something, uh, you know, I like he could he, be super nice or he could just turn on a dime and be like, no, this is crap. I hate. Oh, yeah, it's pretty much it. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, when we were we were supposed to make the uh, final presentation to Walt. Mm-hmm. of the storyboard and uh, it was like a week before and i could tell something's wrong from and him it, you're getting a bad no, vibe I, I, or i i could tell something's wrong with tihi and auto england ah. the stress the nerves yeah the way that we're talking i mean there was a lot going on and about two days into uh you know as we're doing you know because you're you're poli- you know you're polishing you're making sure that this thing is legible yeah uh, do we need that sketch? Take out that, you know, all, all the kind of stuff we're doing. And I said, and I, and, and I had noticed it and I said, why, why is everybody so uptight? It's just Walt. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a great, <laughs> I mean, you have no idea about presenting to Walt. Ignorance yeah. is bliss, right? Now that's where the phrase comes in. Ignorance was bliss. Oh yeah. At that moment. Well, like, it's just Walt. You're, you're the new guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, talk about the new guy. I was once in an elevator with about four people and they said, you know, uh, and they said, how long you been here? They knew I was new. Yeah. And I said, oh, I've been here a long time, six months, and the elevator broke up. <laughs> <laughs> it's Disney. Yeah, you know, yeah. I thank God. You know, oh, yeah, I'm one of the guys, you know, hardly. <laughs> and I looked 15. So that was like, that, that didn't, you know, help. But, you know, so T says, so, but anyway, so, you know, uh, I, I tell, hey, it's only Walt. I remember, great line. It's only Walt. <laughs> And he says, Bob, you don't understand. If he doesn't like something, doesn't attack the idea, 
he attacked. Wow. And I went, Ooh. and then I got. Wow. Wow. Uh, but that was, and that's T who T all the time. Cause I spent a lot of time, you know, we end up, he was my, you know, one of my mentors. I had three. Uh, he's my main mentor. Uh -huh. and uh who were the three it was it was tee it was mark davis and and cal howard cal howard okay by the way you know mentor sometimes get misused uh mm -hmm. i mean it's a wonderful word and it you can't make it happen uh, yeah. i've heard you know someone say so-and-so uh was my mentor i met him once and i'm so influenced by him well mm. being influenced by an artist or a human being is not being mentored Correct. Uh, a mentor is, I mean, it's, it's just a remarkable experience. Um, they become, you can say anything to them. You can tell them your stupid dream. Mm -hmm. They are almost like a, you know, fairy godfathers. Of, uh, they, the intimacy that becomes, it's, it's beyond friendship. It's where uh, they become enormously supportive i mean it's amazing amazing experience and they tell you things that you tell them and it's a connection you make where you become i don't know what to say i mean you carry them the rest of your life sure sure I, absolutely uh, i uh who i am is because of particular i mean there's always a little piece of whoever you meet yeah yeah but it i, I almost i can't i mean i'm sure there's better ways to describe what a mentor is and you're lucky i mean you can't go out and say i'm going to find a mentor it doesn't work that way it just happens you mm -hmm. uh you can have all kinds of influence life but with and they were all different in what they shared because T was this amazing creative force. And he was always, he was, ne there was so little negative, negative. He, he wasn't around someone who walked around and had a chip. Every, you know, everything was such a positive. I, I mean, I remember him as just being the nicest, gentlest guy. Yeah. Uh, who yes. always, if you had a question, he had time to give you the answer. Okay. Yeah. So you were talking about Teehee and I, and the, and I, I mentioned the fact that he was one of the nicest, gentlest guys. Yeah. Uh, always had time for you. You know, if you, if you had a question, he had time to give you a good answer, a solid answer to it. Well, T's, T's, well, they're, they're, they're all different. Teehee was, uh, God, you know, it's like, I can't say enough good things. Uh, in terms of his talent, wow! Yeah, you know, off the charts. All of these guys, yeah. you know, you, you have like T, and you have one of the great characters. Mm -hmm. And T used to tell me, you know, we're, oh, here, I'll, I'll give me a T exercise. I don't know if he ever did this. And this is like, yeah, we're working along, and he says, and he's going to give me a little more advice. T, you know, and T says, you know, Bob, let me tell you. But he always had these little uh, three by five, you know, like index cards. Mm -hmm. He had a walking office in his pocket. Yeah. And he was making notes all the time. Took out the little piece and he says, when you're drawing, he says, all you have to do is look at the page, envision what you're going to draw and trace it. <laughs> now, how do you trace nothing? Right. I stare at a blank piece <laughs> and nothing happened. Yeah. He had, he had his just so good obviously a sublime designer i you know i because we spent so much time together we wrote for two years we were uh we wrote uh, on the album the chipmunk show you know it was at disney uh his sharing of 
when he did caricatures or when he was Warner Brothers, his Disney stories, the UPA stories, you know, which yeah. was uh, when I was in school, I was not, you know, it's so funny when you go to school, uh, you're like the young Turk. I was anti-Disney. I was all UPA. Okay. Hey, you, you know, know what, that, though? No, look, I, I, and when I, I say that, yeah. it's like I seem to forgot that I love Pinocchio and Dumbo. Yeah, yeah. You know, no. I remembered how but, much but, but, they, they meant to me. But no, no, I'm not. I mean, you know, it's like you have a whole bunch of people. I mean, remember we went and saw Sleeping Beauty mm-hmm. uh, and a whole row of Shadar guys. They hated it. And I'm going, God, that looks pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think in in the animation business, you know this as well as I do. You know, there's people who like UPA. There's people who are really oh, yeah. into Warner Brothers. There's people who love Disney. There's people who you know uh, love the independent work. I mean, you know, there there's all those aesthetics and those things that people are influenced by and have a you know uh, a liking to. Uh, so uh, I I mean, yeah, you're not anti Disney really. No, you're, no, well, you're, you you're you're you like the upa style that that more design uh well, oriented style new you know i'm sorry yeah. you know but you're looking as a student hopefully you're everything's new everything's new you know so uh so often you want to overturn things you know you want to be the radical yeah. And so you don't want to, you're, you're, you're fighting tradition, except for, you know, I mean, uh, and, and it's a weird thing because, of course, you're going to love the you know, illustrator uh, Al Parker or Picasso or Cezanne or whatever. I mean, you're, you're not turning over the art world, you know. Yeah. But within it, there was this group and I, you know, we felt like, yeah, there's another way to tell, you know, tell a story. Uh, later, of course, there's a room for everything. And I thought it was very funny. I went to work at Disney and I, you know, I would have loved to go to work at UPA. That's sure. where I wanted to go. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, you know, they didn't invite me, you know, and of course, yeah, but I, I was going to ask you though, what, what happened with that ultimate pitch on the paper sculpture film? Oh, you mean, uh, well, we, we did the pitch. Yeah. Uh, uh, I started Walt who I'd seen, God, uh, who knows that time I was there. 40 times, yeah. you know, I mean, I see him in the halls. I see him here and there. So Walt asked me about the Chenard art ball before the, so I'm starting to tell, I'm talking away <laughs> with Walt and two sweaty people behind me, T and, you know, Otto Englander, you know, cause we got the boards up there standing next yeah. to it, you know, ready to present. And I'm telling them, you know, cause I'd seen him at the art ball and, you know, I'm, you know, and I, so I'm chat, chatting with, uh, you know, Chenard and blah, blah, blah. And I'm talking away. And then the corner of my eye, I catch T and he's like, oh, my God, he's frozen. You know, it's like, yeah, I could see him saying, shut up. Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I went, you know, it's like, you know, and the mouth shut and uh, went on with the, and T did the presentation and. Walt loved, so we went into production. And then we got to a point, um, it was a very, I mean, we, I started, you know, because again, T just had me, he let me loose. So I was directing and then we had a two-story rostrum camera and with Exitensio was animating some tests on my characters. And I had, uh, uh, I had 
devised a neutral density filter system. I don't know how I did some of the stuff, but so that we had form shadows, but no cast. So paper sculpture, which was, mm-hmm. uh, was in a floating world. We didn't use any special effect. It, they didn't cast shadows. Because, you know, when two characters come together and they're talking, one is going to cast shadows character. Mm-hmm. But since, you know, and you needed the light to form the sculpture because there was different textures and the way they curve, all the stuff that I'd done. I never did it before and I'd never done it since. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about paper scope. I went into it and then I've never done it again. Uh, and it was it was something really, really unique. So we we had our test footage and it was kind of interesting at one point, you know, right next to Walt's uh, office screening room. Right, right. And One we of the sweat boxes. Screen- yeah, yeah, and we were yeah. screening some test footage. Uh, somebody wandered in, uh, you know, in the hall, sat down behind, and it's silent. There's no dialogue. We're just, you know, different acts of. And when the lights went on, this guy said really loud, "It's real." And I knew what he meant. Our paper sculpture had come alive. They looked like they had a life, which is what animation's about. Right. You know, that's, it's so, it's such the key. Do you believe it exists? You know, uh, it's funny. So we had, so we set up a screening for the nine old men uh, on a Friday uh, and we screened, I think I had about two minutes test footage. Yeah. And they spent at least an hour in the halls telling us how great it was. Ward Kimball, I mean, uh, there were different people and Ward Kimball said it's the it's so un Disney. He says he loves it. He says, don't let Disney get his hands on it. I remember Ward. <laughs> and you know, all of them, you know, uh, you know, the nine men were just you know, just kept talking about how great it was. Uh uh Frank Thomas, uh, all those, you know, I mean, you know, the greats are in the hall telling T and I. It's just basic T and I. Yeah. I think Otto might have been there, but it was T and I standing there smiling and they just wanted to talk about it. So uh, I go home that weekend and I'm thinking, and I'm, you know, I'm making plans that I'm even going to make it better and, you know, what I'm going to do. And, you know, I, I'm like, not only did, am I working in my first job at Disney uh, in the deluxe suite in the penthouse, <laughs> but, uh, you know, now, I'm making, we're making the great film. So uh, I show up uh, at the studio uh, early for a change because <laughs> I was, I used to always get docked. I refused to walk across <laughs> the parking lot as everybody's running. Cause I'm on the, cl- you know, we're all on the clock. Right. Right. I mean, uh, uh, the, you know, third floor is not on the clock. Those guys don't have to run, you know, they go yeah. out to lunch at Alphonse's for two hours and, you know, all that stuff. Sure. Uh, uh, I didn't have that. So I arrive early this, this, this Monday, I am not going to get docked because I, I made so little and then they would take money. Uh, and within 15 minutes, the film was, I was, I was called. Uh, and then T said, uh, they gave me one week to pack up and T met and he read, don't take the model. Cause he knew I worked so hard on you know, yeah, he wanted to. He he read my mind, and I didn't take the model. And it was all wrapped up. Why was it killed? And that was the end. Why? What was the reason? I was told at that time he decided to stop some production. He, I don't know if he got word of why the nine old men liked it. I mean, that's just an estimate. I don't. I don't know because if they say it's on Disney, that's not the way to sell something to Walt. Sh- sure, right. But uh, the reason I was given uh, by Ken Peterson was they 
were buying back Disneyland from ABC and they uh, stopped a whole chunk of production. I got it. And I know later on, Otto Englander worked more on uh, the Nightingale film uh, at a later point. I think they wrote more stuff on, but it was never made. It was put mm. in, you know, the morgue along with Salvador Dali's. Uh, sure, work. sure. How long were you there for? Uh, a little over a year, about okay. 13, 14 months. And, and just because the, the that project ended, they, they weren't going to put you on something else or they were just no. kind of pairing things back so that they could conserve money? Yeah, I guess was, uh, that's what I was told. Yeah. That, you know, I, I was physically told, uh, it, you know, it was not the film uh, that it was uh, certain productions were stopped. He was because, you know, when he started Disneyland, uh, uh ABC, ABC funded it, you know, part yeah, of it. Uh, yeah, he, he had to do some shows for ABC to put money into it. And they took yeah. an equity position in the park. So, so he back. was he was buying that all back. Wow. Yeah, he bought it back. So it was 100 percent his. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that was, you know, that was I mean, I, you know, it, it's funny about uh, uh, Disney because Disney's when you're working there, you don't have a time pressure. Right. Uh, everything's kind of easy. You know, well, uh, back in uh, back in those days, I would oh, say yeah. there wasn't. Uh, oh a time yeah, pressure. absolutely. Not, that's that's not, changed. <laughs> that's changed oh, these not this, days. You know, not today's world. <laughs> no, at that time, everybody, you know, they uh, they took their time. They were they didn't say. I mean, I I, I had a year. I had a over a year to get a presentation written. You know, you, you don't you don't do that today. No one's going to give you a year for a presentation unless you're going to do five features or something. You know. Uh, it it was and everything on the third floor. Nobody had that kind. You know that it, it just was. It felt like junior college. You know, people walked around leisurely at, at that mm-hmm. because when I went, you know, when I left, the pressure was enormous on the outside. I mean, my uh, my I, I went to work at Format Film, and in the first two days, uh, there were ten second spots. I wrote twenty four spot and storyboarding mm. and i went like you know i'm going <laughs> you know is this what life's like <laughs> you know this is like being in you, school <laughs> you went you went you went from a, a from a leisurely walk in the park to running a marathon yeah, yeah. Abs- yeah. A, a, absolutely well you know it's like in school school's full of pressure yeah disney had no pressure and then it's very strange. You then when you're cut, you you know it's like I I I had there was a uh, reducing glass in my desk, you know, in my wonderful Disney desk, uh, and it had a name carved in it. I can't think of it right. Now. And I asked you know, when I you know first came to work, I asked uh, who is that? You know, because there's a name. And it said it was a designer who, when he got laid off, committed suicide two oh. weeks later. Wow. Because he didn't, couldn't take that. I mean, there was, every once in a while, you would get, you would see things could be, I mean, everything was so sweet. Everything was no pressure. And But when I was there, uh, there was this thing that happened that rumbled through the studio. Jerry Geronimi and Nick Nickel Mm -hmm. uh, happened to to them. Uh, One day, just one day, they left on Friday. When they left the studio gates, they were asked to hand over their keys and they were fired at the gate. Wow, why? They weren't let back into the studio. Why? I don't know. And you could imagine because, again, the coffee... 
the coffee clutch or whatever you want to think, you know, a gang. Yeah. Went, oh, they chewed that up because, you know, it was so funny because anything went on in the studio around the coffee, you know, around sure. drinking coffee on my, you know, in my corridor, we would hear and they go, did you hear? Of course, I didn't know them. I didn't know anything about them. I thought that's kind of cruel. I mean, they had been there 25, 30 years. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I want to tell you, like, I started to realize uh, things weren't quite what they seemed to be because, you know, you think this is a real safe place. Uh, working on, because uh, there was like, there were three segments. We were, and it was going to be a, a, a television special, The Emperor's Night. Yeah. And there was a thing called The Little Fir Tree, and I forgot what the other one. And uh, Bill Justice's unit was uh, working uh, on The Little Fir Tree, even though I designed that Little Fir Tree character. And uh, Tom Codd, a uh, great designer, was, had this really nice, and he was going to retire in February that going what would be my second year and yeah. what, year go, what, what, huh? what year is that what year is what year is that uh believe it's either 60 61 okay and i would take i would take my of course i brown bag because uh i didn't uh it was a funny thing i was on the third floor with walt and bill pete and all the others I didn't know too many people. I didn't know the animation people. I didn't know the assistants. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go much to the uh, cafeteria because the people I knew left and went, you know, went to lunch off the, so I didn't know too many. So I, at times I brown bag it and I go over to see Tom and he had this thing where he was going to make a film about a trip going through all the uh, all the locks, all the rivers in Europe, mm -hmm. and you know where it goes the Danube and whatever. And he had everything plotted. So and he, I, I loved anybody who's interested in anything. And he, since I was you know, absorbed stuff, he would tell me what was going to happen. He had had it all planned out. So this month. This is where he's going to be. And he would describe it and he would tell me. And I, didn't, I was really, and his, instead of working on anything, he had a big map of where he was going to go. I'm here, you know, little dot. You know, it's like he's going to conquer Europe, you know, yeah. little dots and little flags and stuff. Uh, when I was, I'll say, laid off, fired, whatever. The Monday I was fired, I was given five days. Tom Codd was cut that day, five months away from winter. Really? Yeah. Wow. And I thought, wow. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I remember as a kid thinking, you got a guy who works for you for 25 years and you cut him off five months from his retirement. Uh, and I thought there's something, there's an undertow. Uh, you know, so sometimes when you see like Ward Kimball or Bill Pete, you mm -hmm. know, <laughs> you know, or whatever, you know, the people who they're, you know, uh, nothing's a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, I don't have, I'm, I'm not saying this as anti Disney far from it. It's not that it's just, these things happen. Yeah. And you I, make I, you I, think, uh, you know, uh, I mean, I understood me. I mean, I understood, uh, you know, uh, why a kid wouldn't get cut. I'm lucky to be there. You know? Sure. Sure. It was like a dream. So someone said, wake up, get out of here. You know, you're in the wrong bed. <laughs> no. <You know? laughs>
But, you know, it, 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 it is interesting, though, because uh, I mean, Disney had always been, especially during those that, those decades, like a bastion of uh, stability uh, that if you got a job there, you'd be there for a long time. And that's why a lot of those people were there for 20, 25, 30. Oh, yeah. It was a lifetime plus years. Job. Yeah. And, I mean, when I went there, yeah. I thought I was going to work there forever. I thought that was it. I thought yeah. this is my home. And you were probably lucky uh, to have gotten cut when you did because you got into the commercial world uh because from the, from disney you went to format pictures right which was right. a big commercial house in los angeles yeah yeah uh and it was hot and it was xupa people yeah, yeah so they, so what i want to do bob because we're we're running now a little over an hour i want to stop here and pick up again next week because I, I want I have I have so much to ask you about the commercial end of things. Is that OK with you? Could we have you oh, back yeah. next week? You know what? I don't think we barely touched anything. Right. That's what I'm saying. So you know, we're, we're, we're going to tell the audience, come back next week because we're going to have part two of our interview with Bob Kurtz. Your attention, please. <laughs> now loading on track number one. For a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your Main Street to the world of Disney. All right, Dave. Another amazing set of stories. So much to I, tell. I mean, yeah. And, you know, Bob is, Bob is so great. I mean, what a talent. And the stories. I mean, hearing those early stories about Chouinard Art School and, uh, you know, Don Graham, one of the instructors there, and and T. He at Disney and uh, and hearing his Disney story, you know, Walt Disney stories. I mean, just absolutely fantastic. Uh, and and I, I swear, he, he has so much to talk about and has witnessed so much in the industry and what an interview so big that we can't contain it in one episode as you mentioned earlier dave we're going to have bob come back next week and continue his stories talk more about walt disney more about his career and it's going to be another awesome episode it's always great to uh, catch up with you and hear all of these great stories and team i i, I have to say family please go out there and leave us those reviews those comments wherever you find podcasts every little bit helps the uh algorithm if you will and uh, we do appreciate those emails so keep them coming david skullrockpodcast.com as well as aljon at skullrockpodcast.com just follow us on all the socials as well facebook twitter instagram we all have a uh, dave and i are both on linkedin so you can follow us in there as well and uh, we do appreciate all of the listener support uh, we have some great guests that are coming up, and Dave, I'll kind of leave you to whatever tease <laughs> you want to you want to drop. A absolutely, Al John, because you know uh, we've got our anniversary show coming up, yeah. which is also going to be the 50th anniversary of Walt Disney World celebration, and we've got a, a star-studded panel discussion. Uh, and uh, uh, with that, I'm just going to say peace and love to everybody as always. Uh, go out, have a fantastic week. Uh, we look forward to having you back next week uh, right here on the Skull Rock Podcast. I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List Podcast as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock Podcast here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel vacations for people all the time. 
give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves? Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times. So they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money. Where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next Disney cruise, Disney park trip, Adventures by Disney? They can contact me at themeparksandcruises at gmail.com. I'm Kristen Hetzel, vacation planner, world traveler, Disney foodie, and theme park fan. I'm Al John Go. I'm the husband who's also Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel Comics fan. And together, we host a Disney List podcast. Every week, you'll hear us list our favorite things about Disney theme parks, films, shows, travel, Marvel, and Star Wars in a top 10 list, rankings, and more. That's an impressive list. Subscribe to the Disney List podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. You can even stream us on Sorcerer Radio at srsounds.com and check out our live shows on Facebook, the Disney List podcast. Visit thedisneylist.com.